0: What is going on you guys and welcome back to another video. Today we're gonna to be talking about exactly how I would go about crafting a portfolio in 2024 if I was new to the stock market, if I was a beginner, if I was a total newbie. And that's important to mention, right? If you guys see my portfolio, you look at it on the channel which I've voluntarily shared before, that is a very different portfolio than I would you know, craft if I was just starting out. And keep in mind, I've been investing for it's crazy to say, but pushing 20 years now and the portfolio you see today is extremely different from the portfolio when I started. In fact, when I started, I actually started investing in mutual funds because this goes back you know, a number of years, not even ETFs, right? I did own a couple of individual stocks. Um, my dad helped me buy McDonald's, Coca-Cola were the two um, that I'll always remember and I actually still own, but uh, maybe that gave me the bug for individual stock investing. But keep in mind, most of my money, and I say most of my money, it was probably a very minuscule amount back in the day when I was, you know, Younger the vast majority was in mutual funds. That was the foundation of my portfolio It ultimately transitioned to ETFs now as you guys know, it's pretty much entirely individual stocks But I'm gonna take it back and picture. I am brand new How would I go about doing this leave your comments down below if you guys have any suggestions or ideas Or what you would do uh, if you were uh, building your portfolio from scratch or maybe you are and what your plans are but i think very briefly like what is the objective that we are trying to accomplish when we are building a portfolio why are we investing well the first one that comes to obvious mind is diversification right that is a big objective whenever we are investing we want to diversify our money we never want to put i shouldn't say never but best practices is that we probably don't want our money to be too concentrated in one area. You're not managing your risk properly if you're just putting all of your eggs in one basket. And the goal of diversifying, however we go about doing that, is essentially spreading our money, our dollars, whatever that figure is, across various asset classes, across various geographies, because the different geographies uh, tend to perform differently at different times. It does mitigate risk when we are able to essentially spread that out, but we still want exposure to the top you know, assets, right? We don't wanna just invest in a nation for the sake of investing it. We're gonna go invest in Sweden and just buy a bunch of the junk companies. We essentially want the top tier stocks or assets across multiple different sectors and industries and countries that would really fit, you know, a, a diversified portfolio. And the way we do that here in 2024, the easiest and simplest way and the way that you should be looking at as a beginner is by using an ETF, okay? ETF standing for exchange traded fund. My favorite way to envision this is think of a basket, right? You could, and you have the option of going out and selecting individual stocks. So going out and picking 10, 15, 20 stocks possibly, which that even of itself for a beginner can seem extremely overwhelming. The amount of research and management uh, that that entails, uh, the time that it would take to monitor those, that is an option but essentially you can just buy an all-in-one bundle, you can buy one fund or one ETF, and essentially that basket may own hundreds or thousands of different investments. By far and wide, if you're a beginner, this is likely the way I would do it. Now that doesn't mean with time you can't add more stocks, or like me for example, with time transition to going you know, more into individual holdings, if that's a route you choose, you could just go ETFs for your entire life and do very, very, very well. But essentially there's two approaches that I would take assuming we want to go the ETF route. That's option number one is using an all-in-one ETF. And again, these are like, I don't wanna say new or new products because they've been around for a while. There's a lot of options for all-in-one ETFs. This would be the simplest, straightforward, easiest option. Con to this option is that A, you have less control. In fact, you have very little little control. You're essentially just putting your money in in these funds and um, that's fine. And you are gonna be paying slightly higher fees. Now, when I say slightly higher fees, in the big scheme of things, you're paying extremely low fees. That's why this whole style of investing with ETFs gets the term low cost index investing or low cost index fund investing, because it is so low cost. But comparing that to option two, which I'm also gonna share with you guys, if that's more up your alley, is getting a little more specific and actually picking your own ETFs. We're actually gonna go through some examples. Like I have some uh, mock portfolios, if you will. Let's call that building your own portfolio of ETFs. Benefit to this is that A, you would have more control, not the extreme amount of control that you'd have if you're literally crafting your own portfolio of individual stocks, but you have control amongst the ETFs. Secondarily, you can cut down on fees, which we're gonna talk about as well. Again, you might just be pinching pennies here um, because the fees are already so low, but that is, uh, I would say, just a couple things to be aware about. But let's talk about option number one. And assuming you wanted to keep things very bare bones and simple, using an all in one ETF essentially checks off all the objectives and boxes that we were talking about. I really only mentioned two, but it's A, getting a good level of diversification, and as well be exposed to the top assets or investments that you could put your money in and you know let them grow over the years and a very popular fund you've heard us talk about this on the channel before but today I want to highlight, for example, XEQT. It's the iShares core equity ETF portfolio. Now, this is just one option. And obviously do your own research and due diligence. There are many different types of all-in-one ETFs. BMO, if you're looking for like a Canadian, uh, everybody loves, you know, BMO. They're obviously a Canadian favorite. And I love their option ZEQT, essentially the same fund. Vanguard has their own fund. They're really just competitors at the end of the day. And they're going to be investing in, for the most part, in similar things, but assuming we look at XEQT, this ETF is essentially a fund of funds, right? So you're buying a basket of smaller baskets, if you will, there's four uh, funds included in XEQT. Within those funds, you are getting exposure to over 9,000 underlying holdings, okay? So that's why I talk about diversification. It is extremely unrealistic, it's impossible, for you as the average investor to go out and own 9,000 different companies, you probably can't even think of 9,000 different companies. You're getting all of this for essentially a bundled price or package or a management expense ratio, MER, the cost to invest in this fund of only 0.20%. And again, what that means, if you're just doing the math for every $100 that you invest in this fund, you're paying 20 cents per year in fees so extremely extremely affordable contrast that to a mutual fund for example those fees typically range in the 2% range so not 0.2 2% so yeah you could look at this and say oh well it's a high fee well in comparison and relative to the others it's still extremely affordable and essentially through this packaged product you're getting you know the top holdings as of today we're looking at apple microsoft uh, royal bank right we see some canadian here it's not just us we do see Amazon, uh, TD, obviously North is gonna be very highly represented in here, but this fund does as well invest abroad in the sense of, you know, well, 40, 45% is situated in the US, which again, I always am a big advocate for US being the biggest base. Canada coming in at 23%, or right in the sweet spot where I believe Canada deserves to be, probably no more than that. And then the rest is the international. So here they focus on Asia, like Japan, parts of Europe. You're essentially getting your full global equity exposure and like I said, it's top companies. And, and when I say like a simple solution, investing is so easy in 2024. You could go open up your brokerage account, whether it's WellSimple or Questrade, whatever you use, the big banks, you go buy one fund and you know that your money is uh, diversified and spread across uh, the board. I will say one thing to mention here is that this is an all equity fund meaning the allocation between asset classes is 100% equity. So if you're a, you know, a younger person watching this, maybe not even younger, but just someone who is has a more aggressive appetite and wants to be exposed to mainly stocks, well then this could be right up your alley. There are other um, all-in-one solutions that have safer components built in. So bonds or fixed income, that would essentially help smooth out the ride. There'd be less volatility, also you're giving up some returns, but you could look into some other options if that's uh, up, more up your alley. Maybe you're a 50 or 60 year old, well you could look into a conservative all-in-one ETF and the balance may be something like you know a 60-40 or a 70-30, uh, 30-70, even th- 40-60, right? Primarily bonds. Y- you can find the, the mix that works for you, but that's just one suggestion that I would throw to you guys. One fun solution and you are off uh, to the races. Option number two, which is maybe more up my alley for you know my viewers who are clearly interested in investing, you guys want to get be more hands on. This is that next step because it's building your own ETF portfolio. Okay, it's not just a simple one solution, but it's also not to the range of going out and you know shooting yourself in the foot by picking a bunch of individual individual stocks that maybe you aren't um, knowledgeable enough or skilled enough or experienced enough yet to go out and do, because. Keep in mind when we look at XEQT, I mentioned it's just four funds, right? If we look under the hood, it's four funds. But you're buying it as a package bundle. What's to say we couldn't just go out and buy four funds ourselves? Right? It's really not that hard to essentially break that fund down and look at well, we where do each of these funds you know invest in? Why? And then replicate that ourselves. And again, that gives us more control and lower fees. Why does that give us more control? Well, again, If you have somewhat experience in the stock market and you're able to understand generally maybe like some macroeconomic stuff, or you understand just uh, the stock market maybe through educations like our investing academy, for example, which you've gone through, maybe you've just done YouTube for a long time and you know, or uh, whatever the case is, if you feel like you have uh, some level of knowledge, you can then essentially rebalance and manipulate the portfolio where you see fit right? With the all-in-one solution, they rebalance it. You don't get to touch it. They they are essentially choosing where their targets are going and there's nothing involved. Whereas in this build your own ETF portfolio, if you feel, for example, the Canadian market, you know, a year from now is extremely overextended, right? Let's say there's a huge run in uh, energy prices or commodities or whatever. And the Canadian market is, you know, up, 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 up. Well, you then have some control over your portfolio to say, maybe I want to actually reduce my exposure here. Maybe I want to take some off the table and redeploy those back into a weaker area, assuming that is you know, the philosophy you buy into, right? Um, reallocating and rebalancing, you get that la- layer of control when you go out and do that, right? Um, so that's just what I would say is if, this is actually the approach I like to take too, right? Just because I also enjoy you know being more into the in tune with the markets and spending a bit more time but essentially, or how this would look is if you look at the categories, I always like to say you want to invest in America. We're from Canada, so we can add some exposure to Canada, sure. International, this may vary depending on your risk level. Uh, I think the international markets and emerging markets are a great portion, you know, great consideration of portfolio, assuming you can handle the volatility. Maybe you're older and you don't want to, that's fine. And as well, I say fixed income. This one again will vary, very dependent on age or uh, risk tolerance and goals. But those are like our major four categories. And in order to hit those, very simply, we could look at the S&P 500, the largest 500 companies in America, to suit our US exposure. So finding a fund that tracks that. In Canada, the TSX is essentially our version of that. The big Canadian companies will all be included in the TSX. We can find a fund that tracks that. International, there are a variety of different indexes you will find here and um, yeah, they're all very, you know, slightly different uh, in terms of what geographies they cover and whatnot, but finding a international index, something to track that. And then for fixed income, you guys know, we always like to lean on just an aggregate bond fund, right? Just a basket of fixed income funds that are often laddered. And um, yeah, we'll look at an example in a second. So like I said, do your own research, but just to throw out some ideas for you guys, If we were looking for American exposure, we could look at a fund like ZSP. ZSP is uh, essentially a competitor to VFV, uh, which you may have heard about a lot. Um, XSP, these funds all do the exact same thing. They all track the 500 largest companies in America. So regardless of what you pick, you're getting exposure to the top tech companies in America and literally everything else. The 500 large companies uh, down south, the MER on this one sits at 0.09%. So keep this in mind. When I say you can lower fees a little bit, the other one, you know, the all in one ETF, you're paying 20 basis points or 0.20% on the entire money that you have in this fund. Whereas this one, you know, US is gonna come in at the largest portion. I forgot to actually mention how much I would allocate. Um, I would allocate this. Now again, do your own research, but this is me. If it was me doing this, I would allocate roughly 40 to 50% to the US. So again, majority of the portfolio, well not majority, but majority of the equity portion, almost half of the portfolio into the US. Canada would come in right around that 20% mark. I would even say maybe 15 is suitable, but let's say 15 to 20. International, let's say five on the low end to 15 on the high end. We don't want to go too crazy here unless you're extremely optimistic. And then the bond funds, well again, that would that would also just skew all the numbers as well, but depending on age. So in this case, if we were going to allocate let's say 45% or 50 percent of our portfolio to an S;P 500 fund like ZSP, well we're paying 0.09% on that 50% of our money. You understand where I'm getting at where we're lowering fees versus you know the entire amount of the money being in there, right? Um, the Canadian funds, I'd look at an option like VCN, which is the Vanguard FTSE, uh, Canada All Cap ETF. Uh, XIC is another favorite that I've uh, loved for years, which is the TSX Composite uh, Index. Pretty much gonna be owning the same things. There's only so many companies in Canada, you can get you know tweaks on these funds, but you're gonna own the big banks, you're gonna own the telecoms, you're gonna own the utilities, uh, Canada's Canada, right? VCN comes in at a 0.05% MER, and XIC comes in at 0.06 MAR, so nearly identical, but still a fraction, um, you know, in the big scheme of things, five cents on every hundred dollars that you invest, so maybe pick straws between those two. Uh, international fund I've always liked is ticker XEC, which is the iShares Core MSCI uh, EFI uh, IMI Index by BlackRock. This MER we do see creep up, so it's up to 0.22%. This is typical of what you'd see when you go to more abroad funds or more unique funds. But again, the point of having this as a smaller portion of your portfolio is it gives you that exposure to areas like Japan, Europe. One thing that I I personally note about this fund is it gives you no exposure to China, um, which again, for a lot of investors, they're probably like, yes. I say no exposure, there's a little bit, but no real exposure. For many investors, that's perfect. Uh, But if you are someone that is optimistic or bullish on, let's say China, India, uh, like I am, maybe you could supplement that with an additional holding that focuses in on on those areas. Again, investing is very unique, so you can pick what suits best for you. But let's say you allocate 10% of the portfolio here. And then for the fixed income fund, let's say you looked at something like a ZAG, which is the BMO Aggregate Bond Fund, essentially looking at a basket again similar to these other ETFs of so stocks we'll hear you're looking at government bonds corporate bonds at various maturity levels a very simple way to get your fixed income exposure this one charges a 0.0% uh, 0.09% MER so again this is just a mock portfolio so please do your own research as always do your own uh, due diligence like this is just an idea and again, you can make a million tweaks on this and maybe you're an investor who says, well, I wanna add cryptocurrency to the portfolio or I wanna add um, you know, covered calls to the portfolio. You get to choose, but it's really not that difficult to craft and construct a portfolio, especially if you wanna go with this all-in-one uh, ETF route and just buy it and forget it, right? If you are interested in learning more and getting more serious about the space, because it's an interest to you and you like it, well then you can, you know, ramp up. And then maybe with time in a couple of years, when you get a bit more experience, you understand your actual risk tolerance in the markets from seeing the ups and downs. Maybe you do say, hey, well, I can be a little more aggressive, or I can be I need to be more conservative, or hey, I want to start dabbling into individual dividend stocks or whatever it is. That's that natural progression. But in terms of getting started, I think I've presented to you guys two extremely um, easy, easy ideas that would be so, so suitable. Like performance wise, these funds should in theory perform very similar uh, over the long term, given that they're both, you know, they're owning essentially the same things. Uh, Obviously the allocation will vary, but I would just say one key takeaway to finish off this video and hopefully leave you guys with is um, in my opinion, one of the biggest findings that I've, you know, learned about the stock market over the years is that it's very easy to get like paralysis by analysis when you're in this fund selection process and deciding, well, this one has this fee, or this one has exposure to here, this one's this. If you look at the long-term performance of these funds, and you can look back at mutual funds, which have been around longer, but if you look at, let's say, like a rolling, you know, 15, 20-year period, they all perform, you know, within a percentage point of each other. Right? And I know a percentage point can go a long way, but Essentially, if you understand these funds are all out to set, you know, whether it's a Fidelity fund or a Vanguard fund or an iShares fund or a BMO fund, th- their objectives are all very similar. The underlying holdings are very similar. They're going to perform very, very similar, unless you're buying an absolute dud, which you'd want to weed out during your um, research. But it's just a really telling thing that I think, uh, you know, these funds do perform so, so similar. And in fact, what's a bigger objective to you as a new investor? Like if you're thinking what's important, picking, you know, VFV over ZSP, it's just understanding these the psychology and, and what it takes to be a long-term investor in that understanding both of those funds would do well for you if you're able to manage that ride and manage that journey and invest and commit for a long enough period of time. Like you can essentially, you can build wealth very easily if you are willing to contribute to your portfolio every paycheck or every month and let that compound over, you know, years and years and years and years, and ideally decades, right? We're in this for the long term. Um, that would be my, my biggest takeaway, right? Is that that's, that's really what makes, the, what makes or breaks someone when it comes to investing is like how diligently they, they add to their portfolio, um, you know, invest, contribute, and then um, ones that are patient enough and don't fiddle with things when the markets go, you know, crashing like, you know, they have been, and, and panicking and selling and this or that is just, when you're in the accumulation phase of your of your life, accumulate, and then you know with time when you get a bit older, well then you can reassess the strategy and then maybe change things so that it's more suited for your phase in life. But um, that's exactly how I would go about doing it, guys. Uh, let me know what you think down below. I want to hear from you. Is this uh, a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Is this portfolio? Are these portfolios terrible? Um, this is just my opinion, like I said, and I'm very curious, like you know, leave a comment down below because a lot of beginners watching this video will go to the comment section and maybe you have a, an idea or a fund or an approach that you think is a a better one. Feel free to share that down below because everyone can benefit from that. But I just wanted to put that together as we are approaching the uh, new year, uh, the holidays. It's like December, December 11th as I'm filming this. So yeah, I just will wish everybody as well a happy um, holidays, Merry Christmas. If uh, you have plans for that, um, yeah, hope to post some new videos before that, but it is a busy time with family and whatnot, so plan to take a bit of time off as well and just enjoy enjoy the moment and enjoy um, the holidays. But hey, if you guys enjoyed the video, give it a thumbs up, uh, subscribe for more content, of course, check out our Investing Academy, uh, subscribe to our newsletter if you want to keep up with market news from Mark, uh, as Wealth, uh, The Pulse Podcast, obviously follow me over on Blossom, you can search it up in the App Store, there should be a link down below. But as always, I thank you guys for watching, wish you all happy holidays, and I'll see you in the next video.